Hello out there, Chris Nell from Having a Cup of Speaking. Before we commence with this episode, we would like to take this time now and announce that HAC is proud to have partnered with the Your Sober Now What Academy. Your Sober Now What Academy is spearheaded by my good buddy Tamar Medford and best Elaine Kennedy, having put heads, shoulders, and I'm sure other body parts together to develop a comprehensive program for women in recovery and beyond. Through their coaching, you'll learn namely to develop relationships of deeper meaning, eliminate that ever so crippling anxiety. Uh, always a bugger, isn't it? And listen to this. Even become a proper gymnast in between the sheets. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. As is said by the fictitious Catherine Trammell, everything interesting begins in the mind. If this should have tickled your fancy, be sure to click on the link posted in the show notes of this episode. Enjoy today's program. Now we're live. Hello again, folks. It's a pleasure to have you for another solo show recorded in the Mountain Valley in the Cathedral, also called the Ministry of Sound. This is HAC, Chris's Bedtime Stories. If you'd like to participate to a great degree on this show, submit your questions to my email address. The URL is posted in the show notes. And let's hear your input. If there's any topics that you'd like me to expand upon and you take something of value on the show please this is free and this is your this is your home this is what i've always said on my radio show and i'd like to think the podcast serves a similar purpose today's topic is about why sell yourself short let me preface this last week we didn't have a solo show i was busy doing research and i was busy with a couple of tenders but Whilst in the midst of the week, I was watching an interview, rather interesting one, with uh, Humble and Fred, the all-known Canadian radio duo, having an interview on the Joe Tilly Sports Show. And it came to the topic about the evolution of broadcasting. Now, I know I tend to often refer to a radio a lot, but then again, it's my chosen trade of profession, but try and see it in the trifecta of this could apply to any sort of trade. With technology expanding, evolving, we as practitioners in the job or in the workplace, I should say, should start to evolution or evolve or revolutionize ourselves in the same manner. Does this all make sense? Listen to what Fred Patterson had to say. Take one. Here we go. One more point on that. Um, You know, with radio and television stations, the overhead is staggering. When you think about like a radio station, you know, to transmit that signal off the CN Tower, that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And think about television, the overhead costs of the studios and the equipment. And look what the internet is at. Look what we're doing today. Look at the picture quality. Look at the sound quality. And there's better stuff even out there. All of a sudden, this stuff can be done for, mm-hmm. for pennies on the dollar. You know, music on the radio, to, I, I almost laugh. When I put a radio station on and I hear music, it, to me, it's almost funny now. Like, really? Yeah. All the places I can get music, I'm going to go to this radio station. What radio is and should be and will become is a place for storytelling. Forget music. It's gone off that medium. It's all about storytelling. But to have good stories told on your 
radio station, which is the future, well, you got to pay people to tell good stories. That it's going to cost money to get people to yeah. open their mouths and tell good stories. You know, not just anybody. You're going to have to get good people to do that. And there's nothing wrong with the people coming out of Humber, and they because that's you know the problem with the people coming out of broadcast schools for both television and radio, especially radio, is they they're being taught that no one wants to hear what they have to say, but consequently. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the whole like Freddie and I have been to some broadcast schools talking to kids and their teachers will say things like, well, you know, no one wants to hear about your you know personal stories. And then Freddie and I always say when we get them alone, that's all people care about. But if you're not training kids to do that, there is no one. Listen, all three of us, you know, we got maybe 20 years left on the planet. There has to be some people behind us that can do the job correctly. But I think the market is going to like it does with everything is going to um, will will out this. What I mean by that is the money isn't there. So they're going to look for cheaper options. This is a cheaper option. And eventually there'll be younger people that can do this for a lot less money. All right. So I'm assuming there's a couple of things going through your mind. A, he's either it's egotistical or B, he's got a point. A bit of both. Because first of all, what he's saying in mid-sentence is they don't need terrestrial radio. Only for Howard Glassman to chip in and say this would be a cheaper option. The truth of the fact is radio stations are looking to outside sources for content. It's even taking place here in Southern Africa. Even though a lot of FM stations have an HR department, a research department from which they write upon their news, they might look to outside sources to try and help zushin up their content by having an outside contractor do it. The problem, though, is they might still tell you what they want instead of what you offer them and then buying it wholesale. And that brings me to the topic of short-selling yourself. In starker contrast, I had a conversation with someone who I'd worked with many, many moons ago. She ran a business that sold confectionery to school tuck shops and the like. And the one question that popped up was, why is it that people often ask her for discount? Well, you can offer discount as an entrepreneur or a business owner or a businessman or a businesswoman, but at your discretion. But under no circumstance in the Consumer Protection Act of 2008, Act 68, Does it ever say that a consumer can ask, or for that fact, demand discount? Nowhere does it say in that fine print that they can do that. So with respect unto those customers who are trying to uh, try and undersell you, they can go fuck themselves, to be entirely honest. And I said it exactly as it is, because unfortunately, we're living in a far too convenient society today where everything has to come cheap. And we as business owners are underselling ourselves to try and see if we can keep those customers. Let me put you 10 to 20 steps ahead. Even if you consistently give discount to every Tom, Dick and fucking Harry under the sun, you are not going to always get repeat business. The trick is to always keep the engine running by evolving upon your portfolio. Here's the thing. If your portfolio says that you offer a certain amount for a certain service, the customer has their right to go and see if they can get a competing service for a fraction of the cost. A ratio of 80 to 20 if you're in a specialized industry. No one else in the country, less so far in the same town, will offer the same services that you can if you are a one of a kind, especially a done by one business. So at the end of the day, they're sitting with a 
what I'd like to call a catch-44. If they can't get what they want from a competitor at a lower cost, they will come to you and they'll try and sweet talk you and see if you can't lower your prices. With respect unto yourself, this is where you need to put your foot down and you have to say, you know what, it's my way or the highway. Pay me what I ask. I'll give you the service that you pay me for. You're paying for not convenience. You're paying for quality. And if you want it, in the fullest sense of the word, you don't tell me what to do. I will give you the service upon which you pay for, period. Why do I act so brash? Because unfortunately, in my career especially, I have been in copious amounts of circumstances where I've tried to provide quality service according to which I've been trained, according to which I've been qualified for, and according to which I know in my heart I can deliver. It's my hard-earned skill set that I have earned through blood, sweat, and tears. But then you get a know-it-all, which inverted commas is actually a no nothing and they will try and tell you but if you can change this if you can change that if you can change this if you can change that sorry i've been in that rat race for far too long and there has come a time in my young life where i eventually had to put my foot down and say either you take what i give you or we part ways and to my defense I've pissed a lot of people off because of it, and quite rightly so. No one likes it when they are put in their place. It's just an error of human nature. But unfortunately, this is where people like Andy Frisella, Sean Whalen, Bedros Koulian, or even Ed Millett would say, you have to grow hair on your teeth. If you hear that expression for the very first time, it's just uh, estuary English for saying, grow a pair of balls. Remember, for every no, Mark Burnett said this so eloquently. No actually means in business terms, next opportunity. So if you lose that sale, you know what? In for a penny, out for a pound. There is no such thing as a done deal until the contract is signed and the service is delivered. But let me flip the script on that as well. Should there come a position where you are being in the eyes of the cheapskate client, overtly cocksure or headstrong, I can bet you there will come a time when they may even come back. And I've experienced this so many times, and I'll even tell you a story to it. When I began CNMSP, my media hub production company, I was asked by a former family friend to help them out with sound engineering for some cheapskate little maths business. They were holding an annual symposium. The symposium itself, the venue that had been booked and the size of the room, all of that was just, it was shoddily put together. I put them out a quote only to get an email back to ask, it's a little bit out of our price range. We would like discount. My first thought was, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Three ways to Sunday. If you want discount, go to your local convenience store and go ask for a coupon. I'm not a convenience store. I'm a specialist service. As I say, you have to be cutthroat. But after mulling it over, I was rather desperate for the money. I said, you know what? I'll meet you halfway. I'll give you a discount of, say, 10%, which came down to 100 bucks or something. The quote was accepted, but for two weeks, I waited for my money. Second lesson that I'll get to. 
about not selling yourself short. Stipulate your terms and conditions, but let me finish my story. Two weeks goes by, and on the final week that the event was due to take place, my quote money wasn't paid yet, until I eventually had to call up the client and say, if you don't pay me my money within a time space of 12 hours, this contract is null and void. And you're more than entitled to do that too. Because... If the quote is accepted and there's a valuable paper trail signifying that you are in the clear, you can say, if you're not busy doing your end, I shall not deliver a service. Sure enough, I was paid my money that very evening. The gig itself was a complete disaster. Everyone was consistently huddling around my booth, consistently using my multi-charger plugs to charge their phones. And sure enough, within a week, I got a call again. Would you help us out with another gig? And I just flatly said, go ask someone else. I am not putting my equipment on the line for your meek and rank amateurish productions. So the point in uh, succession is you have to set a standard for yourself. You have to know the value of your self-worth. Now, people who may be listening to this already have their hair standing on end because what I'm saying goes against the grain of you need to be humble. Listen here, mofo. You have no fucking idea what humility even is. Humility is the knowledge of knowing your self-worth, when to walk away and when to commit. And not taking the credit for yourself, but taking the hard-earned life lessons from mistakes past and putting them into practice. But if you're so brash, like me, I can guarantee you, you're in a league of your own. Because you're not going to do business with the kinds of people that you think you would do business with any other given day of the week. Yes, the terms of, it's not just what you know, it's who you know is relevant. The terms of, be thankful for the gig, all of that is relevant. But the one error in all three is, people are selling themselves short in a niche business today in the hopes of return business. And I'd like to say that because of the pandemic and the hard lockdown that we had suffered at the last two years at the most, has rewritten the rules in so many uh, in so many ways. If you'd listened to my very first, uh, very second, excuse me, solo show, mm, I'm full of gas today. Excuse me for that. If you'd listened to my second Bedtime Story show, I was talking about how people in the radio business have walked away from big companies because they feel they are being bullied. Well, the same term is starting to apply with media companies that uh, where people are striking out on their own. And I'm fully in support of it because it makes the competition a lot less, I'd like to think. Number two, we are the ones in the niche businesses who are marketing ourselves no end tirelessly to make up our own rules. The jobs that we take, we take with pleasure. The jobs that you don't want to take, we have our own criteria. But now, here comes the caveat. Ultimately, how do you as a small business owner or an entrepreneur, decide for yourself when to say yes, when to say no. I can say for sure, number one, you have to look at your bank balance. First of all, can you afford to say no? 
The job that you are hesitant to take, is it willing to allow you to float for a little while? And three, can you knock it off quickly? Or is this going to be a timely practice? I can't answer those questions for you. You have to suss it out for yourself. That's why it is imperative, and I'm stressing this in capital letters, imperative to keep your eyes and ears open always to the opportunities as well as the threats. In business school, I'm sure you've learned this. The SWOT analysis, strength, weakness, opportunity, threats. And it's as easy as one, two, three, four. What are your current strengths as a niche business owner? Secondly, what can prove your weakness? What can prove an opportunity? And what can prove a threat? And all of this, you consistently ask yourself on an average business day, in the short term, going into the long term. And what I'm telling you is not exactly rocket science, but it's practices that are so simple, so simple, but out of fear for painting with a very broad brush, sadly, niche business owners, the moment that the bank account becomes even a fraction of a modestly fattened amount, becomes fattened, they slump into a comfort zone. And It can happen to all of us. I'm not going to judge. I'd rather be humble and admitting my own faults by saying, you know what, even I can fall into the slump. That's why it's imperative to continuously be introspective and laconic. See exactly where your space can be expanded and where can you ultimately make some rights and ultimately cancel out some wrongs. Then there comes another facet that jumps to mind. If you're a niche business owner, don't stick with a single trademark. Why? Because a singular skill set becomes stale. If you look at the big business uh, head honchos, Rupert Murdoch, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, I don't want to use the next name, but I will, Bill Gates, um, oy, all the big entrepreneurs, all the big business name guys that have mega, mega millions in the bank have one thing that all of us often tend to overlook, which is versatility. Elon Musk right now is hot news for his, uh, first his interest in buying Twitter, then pulling out of Twitter because of bot accounts, and then Twitter taking him to court, yada, yada, yada. There was, of course, um, his first failure with uh, one of his Tesla rocket engines that had failed on one uh, test flight, and then ultimately when it came to the next test flight, or uh, the actual launch, it was a screaming success. Now today, Elon has not only Tesla, uh, 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 SpaceX, I meant to say, uh, it was SpaceX I was referring to, Tesla is the cars that are powered with uh, solar energy, but he also has a project in the pipeline called Solar City, which a lot of people are trying to patent because of the fact that we can get off the grid more by not paying the government electricity. That is what I mean with versatility. You as a niche business owner have the ability, you have the opportunity to do honest analysis about yourself, about your skill sets, or even for that fact, allow yourself to even acquire more skill sets to expand upon your portfolio. It's imperative to do that because if you consistently revise and consistently expand upon your skill sets, it means more cost that you can charge on your next quote. Uh, 
more quality that you can ask from your customer, more bang you can offer for the buck. You get what I'm saying? Don't think small, think big. Be realistic to a certain extent if you're starting out. I'm awfully realistic, but I still have a vision board that I look at consistently. I just set smaller, short-term goals that move me in the direction of longer, bigger goals. You get what I'm saying? So in that regard, check your versatility always. Never be shy to expand upon your skill set. To be fair, a lot of people have a specific circular trademark. That's it. That's all that they can practice in this lifetime. And that's fine. That becomes a trademark. Nothing wrong with it. But for the sake of longevity, try out your versatility. Try out your versatility and see and see rather where you are going to land. Irregardless of what anyone will tell you, the measure of success of a business always runs the ratio of 3-5. Three, 3 years to establish yourself and to build accessible capital and income, 5 years to have your name consistently spread worldwide, to become a household name in short. I've heard people trying to refute me on this. Then they go a little bit too big, a whole lot too soon. They don't have investment capital to sustain their new ventures and those businesses fall flat. And I'm sorry to say the best example I can come up with is Paul Rotherham with Caxton Radio. Mario Petrella and I were talking about him uh, just last week. Uh, Paul and I were talking about investment opportunity in the midst of the pandemic. And I happened to bring up the statistic that I was taught in, in uh, uh, college. And he said to me, no, that is a flat out lie. If you have people who invest in your business, they expect you to have an immediate ROI immediately. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The reason why I say that is, how on earth are you going to expect to make big bucks if people don't even know your quality branding yet? How can you expect to charge full price if you can't deliver consistently in six months, let alone three years? That's why three years is imperative to build that building pattern, to consistently deliver, establish patterns of productivity. In those three years, that will apply to me, especially if uh, I want to take uh, CNMSP overseas. I have to have personnel. I have to have people who have to consistently market me instead of me throwing my uh, attention around in 36 different directions. That is going to take three years, a year and a half if I'm lucky, but that is so, so, so just maybe that that can happen. You get what I'm saying? So it's a pattern of three, five. And unfortunately, Paul thought I was being a goody two-shoes and needless to say, Caxton Radio fell flat that very next June. Why? Because the DJs weren't getting paid? There was advertising revenue coming in, but Caxton Publishing took a large portion, and there was only enough to have Paul stick in his pocket for a salary. I mean, after all, Caxton Radio was a joint venture between Caxton Publishing and Paul Rotherham himself. So the big picture is, number one, don't sell yourself short. Two, try out your versatility. There's another facet I'll bring up. And three, the ratio of success of a small business runs through the, the parameter of three to five.
Here's another thing that you have to think of. As much as I'm passionate to see people try out versatility, trying out different professions, molding it under a singular umbrella, which is the way to go, if you're not having any success in a given area or areas, plural, and it's costing you more than what you are reaping a benefit, then suffice to say, there will have to come a time, and I'm paraphrasing someone else who had said something along similar patterns, that you have to take a step back and say, you know what, my personality for what I am pursuing, I'm not having any success. My personality is not suited to this kind of pressure, to this kind of rejection, and I'm suffering more than what I am potentially uh, gaining in this instance. What else can I thrive in? Steve Harvey said it best that talent is an aptitude or a skill set that comes naturally to you with the minimal amount of effort. So in that light, again, the whole point of being laconic comes to the fray. You have to consistently be introspective and see where are you gaining, where are you losing. And if it comes to a point where you need to bid goodbye to something that you thought you were going to chase after, then you're going to have to practice some hard self-love and you're going to have to say, well, sorry, I can't do this. And you know what? We all face it in not just a business setting, but in a personal setting. So... Buck up. Buck up. It's unfortunately very, very hard to look at yourself in the mirror, which a lot of society doesn't do, is look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. And then I'm going to paraphrase Sean Whelan to take the conversation further. What is it that you want to do in your business? Why I decided to make my company a multimedia hub. My portfolio is far and wide. I've done hosting, I've done acting, I have done voiceover, and I've done motivational speaking. In fact, this one I'm doing right now is an extension of what I have done in the past on stage. Talking comes naturally to me. It just doesn't take me any amount of effort to make my mouth go flap, 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 flap. But there came a time in my life where I said, I can't let my mouth flap, 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 and do it for free. How am I going to throw money, uh, 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 petrol in my car? How am I going to buy groceries by just compliments? Take this archetype for yourself, but say it in your head. Take two swine. Put them together next to each other. Feed the one food and feed the other one compliment, uh, uh, compliments, like babe, well done pig, and see which one of the swine will get fatter, which one will ultimately die first. So I have to stretch my arm a bit and make something of my skills which will ultimately get me hired. And I market on all the social media platforms, but my mindset ultimately has to be one of, I'm doing this for me because this is what I want to do, not what society tells me to do. It's because I've, I'm chasing this with all my heart and being. My back is literally against the wall. I've got no other choice. This has to work. So my question to you is, what do you want to do with yourself? Is there, a, is there a profession that you're longing to try and see if you can make something out of? 
is there a skill set that you're thinking to yourself maybe i can i can try and sell artwork at the local uh, uh, cultural store for a couple of bucks what is stopping you from doing it the reason i ask this is because we live in a scarcity mindset and i'm sorry to say whether you want to know it or not this is part of the programming to live in a scarcity mindset where in fact we're supposed to be living in an abundant mindset because the opportunities are endless and for my american and canadian audiences you don't know how blessed you are to be in the opportunity uh, a land of opportunity that you are in southern africa <laughs> you've got no fucking idea no fucking idea how limited opportunities are in this country if you don't fit in you fuck off doesn't matter if you've got a dripping degree with all the best skills in the world you will simply have to bend over backwards because uh cronyism and nepotism is far more prevalent and far more gut-wrenching than what there there is in overseas countries and i'm not telling you a fallacy not a shadow of a lie that's why i'm sure a lot of my friends who are from overseas are thinking my golly this kid is nuts no i'm not no i'm not you have more rights and freedoms in your individual country than what i could possibly even dream for and the first opportunity i get to get my business overseas i will grab it with both hands i yearn with every fiber of my being to leave this piece of shit country behind since 1995 it's turned into a shithole pick up a history book then you'll understand why i'm not going to use my platform to become a another joe rogan or whatever the case may be i'm a chris nell but i speak uncomfortable truths and that's unfortunately it's south africa is a shithole and i even spoke to some of uh, uh mikey ferrer from sober press and i said the very same thing to him he said i can't i can't uh, doubt you on that he's done business here a couple of times and he spoke on the shanty towns that one that he saw with his his uh, own eyes trust me the shanty towns are bringing down property value of suburban houses so badly and our government does absolutely fuck all on the matter okay rant over what is it that you want to do with your life i'm telling you right now you have to chase what it is that you want to do and if you think it's going to cost you a whole lot of money as i'm speaking to you right now i'm standing in between a divided closet with a towel draped over my head doing this motivational speaking and i'm imagining that i'm talking to you because this is what i want to do i want to host i want to act i want to read copy i want to play imaginary characters that is what i want to do and i'm doing everything in my power and by the grace on high to achieve it that is what you should be asking yourself because if you don't you're going to drive yourself nuts you're not going to be successful in this life you're going to drive those that you love nuts and ultimately you're going to sink further and further and further into a depression we all have a purpose in this life and doesn't matter what the circumstances purvey it to be you have an unadulterated animal right to chase after what it is 
that sets your soul on fire, profession-wise or even socioeconomic-wise. That latter part be very educated because I can assure you if you're going to chase after and you're going to become the next keyboard warrior, you're going to fall flat on your face. And I've warned people about this and yet they absolutely ignore me since my college days. And today their careers are Gone with the wind, like a fart in the bath. So open up your ears and listen to me. What is it that you want in this life? Write it down. You don't have to tell anybody, not even your own family. But you owe it to yourself to chase after this life. And I can guarantee you, you're going to be a far more successful entrepreneur. You're going to be a far more successful husband or wife. And you're going to be a successful mom and dad because of it. And then the rest of the ratio is just balancing that self out. I wish I'd learned this in college, you guys. But this is how fucked up the South African education system is. Where the fuck are you going to learn this in life skills? Nowhere. Nowhere on earth. In fact, I'm aghast that the government has said at nine years old, sex education has to become president. This is fucking ludicrous. Teach them rather to become independent, to think for themselves to think outside the box and let the matter of the birds and the bees when they actually start to become curious. So, yes, there's a lot of passion in here, a lot of love and passion. And it's time that this love and passion comes out, you guys. And you need to start facing facts. I'm not busy judging. I'm busy dealing some truths that are wholly uncomfortable. And I present you with this challenge. Are you going to man up or are you going to shy away? Because then you're not the solution. You're part of the problem and every amount of criticism and controversy that comes your way, you deserve it. If you should stand up and rise, I look forward to helping you and standing with you to ensure a better tomorrow for this generation to come. That's it, folks. Thank you for joining us for HAC Extra, Chris's Bedtime Stories. I love doing these shows. If you'd like to pose a question of any possible topics or even some questions you'd like me to answer, my email address is posted again in the show notes of this program. Also, be on the lookout. Adam Armstrong and plus also Tracy Weber are going to be my guests this week on Having a Cuppa. Until then, we'll see you again in the next episode. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.